The scripture this morning uh, is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. You may be seated. From the Gospel according to Luke, the 19th chapter. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when he had come near Bethpage at Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it you will find tied there a colt, that has never been ridden, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, People kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would cry out. The Gospel of the Lord. Quiet your hearts with me in prayer. In the rise and fall and rise of this week, O Lord, may our hearts be reached. For from your heights you reached to our depths in order that we might rise again with you in Christ's glory. Amen. Sometimes they crowd his way His sweet praises sing, resounding all the day, Hosanna to the King. Then crucify his all their breath, and for his death they thirst and cry. One of the fundamental themes of Holy Week is this powerful spin that Chris mentioned in his time of confession. The great commendation of Palm Sunday and the condemnation of Good Friday. What makes things flip?
so fast? How is it possible for the massive popularity on Sunday to tank in less than five days? Now, we're not talking about a fleeting 15 minutes of fame. We're talking about how a whole populace of the city of Jerusalem shift their cries from king to criminal, from crown to crucify, before the benefit of high-tech social media. No Twitter account can be blamed here. Last Sunday when I was in the pulpit, I had running in the back of my head that Danny had a doctor's appointment the following day. And we were talking how it was coming up, Danny and I, and there was a persistent growth on her left breast that needed some medical attention, but we had convinced ourselves it was probably some odd cyst that would be quickly lanced and removed. Not uh, 24 hours after the benediction last Sunday, we were dealing with the implications of the C word. Last Sunday, our schedules were pretty straightforward. But by Tuesday, Danny was playing this incredibly complicated game of calendar bingo with clinics and labs and oncologists and a variety of scans that were coming up. Boom! Life spins on a denaria. As you can imagine, our attention has been transformed from just this mundane routine to thinking a great deal about oncogenic process. How is it that cells with lives designed to do specific jobs can suddenly switch themselves into malignant, malignant minions? That thought, of course, for me, intellectualize stress. Pressure gets great. There's nothing like deep thought to distract you from the emotionality of heart's pain. As an aside, you also need to know that when I'm stressed out, I tend to make inappropriate jokes. It's a coping mechanism of this youngest child. When I was growing up, when things got tough, I got funny. I remember that last night when Danny and I were talking about, guess what, breast cancer. She was expressing with amazement how through thick and thin I've been at her side. We've had financial problems, she says, I was there. When she had other health issues, I was there. When she had problems at work, I was there. When the kids were acting out, I was there. And now with the cancer diagnosis, I'm there. She paused and looked deep into my eyes and said, I said, so you're, you're glad I'm, I'm with you. She said, no, I'm trying to let you know you bring me bad luck. <laughs> Warned you. But back to the, the intellectualized form of denial. I want to talk about crucifixion and cancer. We have in our congregation individuals who are significantly more equipped to address the science regarding oncogenic process. In fact, our own Dr. Harold Sutton, who just passed away uh, several months ago, devoted a large portion of his academic research career to unpacking the characteristic of the very cells currently screaming for attention in our house. 
Way back in the 60s, he was working on research on how is it the breast cancer cells metabolize their energy. In fact, it became some very basic research that a lot of treatment today is based on the very questions he was trying to answer. So apologies if my scientific analysis is a little crude. I got my medical degree from Google. I'm sure as anyone with even a passing understanding of carcinogenesis would point out my thoughts are really simple. But this is my cathartic moment, so sorry. you got to bear with me. On a cellular level, all cells of our bodies have assignments. They have plans. They're supposed to be skin or bone or muscle or fat or nerves. Well, you, you get the idea. Their marching order DNA tells them who they are and what they do and what they are to reproduce. And they hand their orders to each successive generation of cells. They also carry, carry with them little life cycle timers so the older cells can retire and get out of the way and newer cells can pick up the job. That's the way it's supposed to work. It's not the case with cancer cells. These little guys lost their things-to-do lists. As a result, they just start reproducing with no particular purpose except to just keep multiplying. They also fail to turn themselves off, and so they just keep demanding nutrition from the body so they can continue to replicate their pointless little selves until next thing you know, somebody who knows what they're talking about looks you in the eye and says, you have cancer. The problem is, of course, they are still cells. And the major work of treatment is to find some way to stop the cancer cells from multiplying while not turning off the cells that have had the decency to mind their own business. Forgive my crude analogy. Now you know why I majored in theology as opposed to oncology. But I want to move on from this C word to another C word. From cancer to crucifixion. In first century Jerusalem, a functioning system provided for the welfare of its citizens. Some folks were in charge of gathering and preparing and distributing food, others building things, others were in charge of sanitation, all the stuff that would allow a society to function. Except somewhere along the line, and this analogy works in every dysfunctional system, Somewhere along the line, rather than replicating a differentiated process, some parts of the system drop their instruction manuals. They no longer replicate according to systemic need. They reproduce only for the purpose of multiplying themselves, their influence, their priority. What's more, they have no off switch. They refuse to get out of the way and allow other social participants to have meaning activity in the system. They even commandeer the activity of other parts of society to do their bidding. They grow uncontrollably to suck the nutrition and energy from the system in order to feed their own blinded identities. Thinking that they are contributing to the common good, the rest of the system just pours resources into these growing tumors. And next thing you know, the whole body politic becomes extremely ill. How does someone get cancer? Trust me, on a cellular level, it boils down 
to fake news. Folks who were once reasonable neighbors with manageable conflicts are suddenly at war because someone somewhere decided that conquest of the other was the next thing that they needed to do. Twisted DNA, perverted interpretation of role and process, and suddenly a whole region of the body is at war with itself. And the question is how to eliminate the cancerous tumor without destroying the healthy tissue. What happened to Jesus in first century Palestine is replicated in nations and neighborhoods and families throughout history. Oncogenic process is not new. It is the very balance that was upset in the garden. Why not take what isn't yours and enjoy it for yourself, the snake asked of Eve. Not for any good reason, but just because it might be feeling good or taste good or satisfy that boredom of being well-behaved. In addition to trees for beauty and for food, there were two important trees in the Garden of Eden. One we know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The other one we don't talk as much about, and that is the tree of life. And so, here again the words of the divine on thinking about the consequences of what we call original sin. In Genesis 3.22, God says, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Death comes as a check on unrestrained and unpurposed knowledge. All of us are prone to overstepping our bounds. Oddly enough, thank goodness we eventually die. What profoundly shakes my intellectual interpretation of all this is the particular character of Holy Week. In Jesus, we see God stepping into this cancerous, cankerous conundrum and conforming himself to the consequence of the cross. Or as Paul wrote to the Philippian church, have the same mindset as did Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. The self-regulated Savior, functioning not to his own advantage, but arriving in an unregulated world, and by his own sacrifice, giving to us a model of disciplined and ordered service to radiate the self-transforming system, the transforming power of love that both knows what it can do 
and recognizes what it should not do. My song is love unknown, my Savior's love to me, love to the loveless shown, that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and Die. Amen. Please stand with me and speak in the intellectualized form, the balm for our emotionally tormented hearts, the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, dead, and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead.